electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. And when I say in-depth, I'm talking deep. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. They also have details about local schools with test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. I'll be with my friends. Just trying to make some money. My job is not just to entertain, but to educate and teach you how it all works. So call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. Sometimes the last thing you need in this business is an explanation. There are moments when the action is so darn pointless, so driven by market mechanics, fast ETF trading, algorithms rather than reality, that real-world explanations will only lead you astray. And that includes days like today, a real good one for the bulls again, where the Dow gained 418 points, S&P climbed 1.23%, NASDAQ jumped 1.33%. It was looking mighty soggy at 10.30. Let me give you some examples. Two days ago, we had this dramatic decline in the price of oil, down more than 10%. The instant analysis said the oil rally, it was over, done, stick a fork in it. We heard there'd be a slowdown in gasoline because of China's lockdown. We heard higher prices to pump were reducing demand, demand destruction. We heard Russia was flooding the world with crude to finance its daily atrocities against Ukraine. But the truth was a lot more prosaic. Oil shot up so fast that the actual producers didn't have a chance to get to the oil pits, where you see tons of financial buying and selling. It was just pure market mechanics. Once the oil companies had time to adjust and do some future selling, prices went right back down to $103 a barrel. So there was nothing wrong with the oil rally. The pullback was, was a reason to buy, not sell. And the bogus explanations, they led you astray. Okay, here's one. William Sonoma. We have him on the show tonight. As this stock plunged from its November highs, the professional money managers constantly were telling me that I should never have had the company on. Why? Because the company was laying people off left and right. So things must be very bad. Then William Snow reported last night, and we learned that they were closing a ton of stores simply because so much of their business is going digital. It's much more, it's much better. It's more profitable. Turns out there was nothing, anything, nothing wrong at all there. The Bears just worked too hard to generate a coherent sell thesis. Hey, by the way, another guest tonight, Signet Jewelers, experienced the same kind of bear raid when it rationalized its fleet of stores, saving fortunes for shareholders, 
boosting gross margins. They were never starved for business. They just didn't need as many physical locations thanks to the robust online presence. Hey, this kind of thing happens every day in tech land. The bears keep telling me that gaming has slowed and that the data center must be woozy given the, you know, say, seeming slowdowns at Etsy and Shopify. Never mind that those aren't key accounts. Now, we were told that you had to dump the semiconductor stocks with data center exposure, especially NVIDIA. Oh, boy, was this a classic bear raid. You know what? And I heard this bear raid from everywhere, everywhere. There was only one animal I didn't hear it from. It's my dog. But as as it happens, it's not true. See, earlier this week, we spoke to Matt Murphy. Now, he doesn't work at NVIDIA, but he works at Marvell Tech, which has product in every data center and is partners in a lot of them with NVIDIA. The real story? Can't keep up with demand. So people sold NVIDIA for no reason whatsoever, even as the legendary CEO, Jensen Wong, is about to give his always dazzling keynote at the GPU at the technology conference next week. Uh, this is uh, the GTC conference. I've got to tell you, when I heard it last year, well, it was the beginning of the metaverse. Oh, he's going to show you stuff at this conference that is just going to bl- that is just going to blow your mind. And people sold it because they heard that the data center was slowing. Stay the course, people. Sometimes it's as simple as extrapolation. Earlier this week, we spoke with Darius Damchek. He's the CEO from Honeywell, a company with a great deal of aerospace exposure. But it also has exposure to a ton of other brand new and markets, as well as strong selling processed chemicals, refineries, and all sorts of climate control equipment for commercial buildings. Now, that doesn't help the stock. But once this charitable trust holding crosses over to these newer industries, and we stop focusing on aerospace, I bet the stock of Honeywell can go from 192 to 210. There is more to the story than aerospace. How about this one? Eli Lilly, all right? I heard that Eli Lilly's Alzheimer's drug doesn't work, so short to stop. Well, then Lilly develops a novel way to lose weight for type 2 diabetes patients that may be good for everybody, maybe the largest drug they've ever had. Suddenly you have to scramble and buy some before it gets away because something else is happening that's great that's not factored in, and it didn't go the bear's way. So why does this happen so often? Simple. For many portfolio managers, spreading panic is part of the business model. Tons of professional money managers have promised their clients that they'll find stocks that are too high and belong lower. They're committed to finding good short ideas and then knocking them down. That sets up a shadow boxing situation where hedge funds get short, then tell others their thesis, which they actually believe in, by the way. So it's not really market manipulation. They believe in it. And if the idea sounds plausible, the stock goes down, causing other investors to panic because they see it going down. This happens constantly with the semiconductor stocks and to a lesser extent the drug stocks. You never seem to know where the next firefight is going to be. So you end up becoming gun shy about staying long a very good stock. What else drives this action? Right now, this market's got a disease, and it's called multiple compression. Because inflation is rampant and the Fed's hitting the brakes on the economy, Wall Street's willing to pay less for any company's future earnings stream. So the price to earnings multiples gets compressed. Now, this is something that's triggered by persistently high inflation. And right now, we do have that. The thing about market-wide multiple compression is that it hits the most richly valued stocks the hardest, which is why I've been warning you you've got to stay away from the high-flying price-to-sales stocks since November. This is why I keep telling you circle the wagons around companies that make real things, sell these things at a profit, then return some of them to shareholders. Now, we've gotten, we've finally gotten comfortable with only buying cheap stocks with low-price earnings multiples, but suddenly this week the high-flying price-to-sales names are back in style. What the heck happened? Well, let's think back to this. Okay, so in November... When nearly all of these price-to-sales stocks were starting their sickening slide, no matter how much you might have liked your Allbirds or Wheels Up or 23andMe or Nextdoor or Oatly or Rent the Runway, these stocks were getting killed. 
that how do they rally now? Well, because, well, if you sold them because of inflation worries, like so many professionals did, then wouldn't you want to buy them back now if the Fed's cracking down on inflation? That makes sense to me. It's exactly how a short can become a long, at least for a couple of days. Now, I'm actually describing two different dynamics here. First, we've got the somewhat desperate attempts by hedge funds to find something wrong, then get short, then make a loud public case about why you're right and everyone else should be afraid. The second dynamic is more straightforward. It's just the classic hedge fund playbook that tells you to flee the flimsy and hide in the tried but true going into a rate hike. But the first dynamic is hidden by the obfuscation of money managers who don't want to admit that they're just trying to foment panic. That's against the law. And the second is hidden by the unseen disease, multiple contraction. Many think the answer to this conundrum is to forget stock picking entirely uh, and just go buy an index fund. That was certainly a theme today. I disagree. As I constantly tell CNBC Investing Club members, I think the solution is to stay away, stay out of the crosshairs of the young, money-losing stocks, many of which should never have come public and came way too early, and instead just find some solid, tangible companies that make things and do stuff that you like. And then they distribute their their, to shareholders like you generous dividends or buybacks. But the key is to not be taken in by plausible-sounding arguments that turn out to be totally untrue. So here's the bottom line. Many investors are leaving what they believe is a rigged casino rather than understanding that the market's not a casino at all, just a place where it is, unfortunately, very easy to make mistakes. Even the smartest money managers are going to be wrong a lot of the time. If you're right 60% of the time, you can make a killing in this business. So please, don't take everything you hear as gospel. Jeff, in my home state of New Jersey, Jeff! Jim, how are you? I am good, Jeff. Thanks how are you? Thanks for taking my call. I've, of course. I've been following you since the early days of the street.com. Oh, man, you're dating me to 1996 now. Okay, well, let's go to work. Yep. Okay. Well, I, I first want to thank you especially for the chart analysis you give of name technicians, you know, because that, that gives us some conviction about uh, the near and medium term and enables us to stop trading. Then I'll do one tomorrow. I'll do one tomorrow. Okay. I'll do one tomorrow because Jeff in New Jersey. I've been debating doing it. Jeff, you're on. What's up? Okay. So uh, I'm, I'm, my stock is amongst, I'm looking for a disruptor type stock. Okay. Know, so um, that I'll be able to buy near a bottom and hold. Uh, and uh, they're usually, you know, uh, disruptors for technology or the business model. Okay. I and, like this uh, idea. I think it's a good idea. Very sound. So I've, I've already taken a position in DOMA. And I'm, um, I can't, I don't know where the bottom of Upstart is, but the one I'm calling about is Bumble. So I, think, I, I think Bumble has a great uh, concept, okay? Uh, the stock is starting to come back because people, you know, this is one that was hurt by inflation. If the Fed cracks down, then it'll do well. I, I'm going to endorse it, but you got to understand, I, usually I'm, I don't mean to cop out on this, but it is a long-term idea. It's long-term. Chuck in Hawaii, mahalo. Chuck. Booyah, Jim. Booyah. First, first time cooler. Okay. Should, should we buy Amazon before the stock split or after the stock split? It won't split? matter, sir. It's just a leisure demand. It is literally just uh, what will happen is people get stock, and it's more likely actually that some people will sell shares. So it's not a good reason to, to, uh, to buy or sell the stock. Uh, let's go to Nathan in Pennsylvania. Nathan. Hey, Jim, it's Nathan from Pittsburgh. It's been a while since we uh, last spoke, but I want to thank you from this past fall when you did a homework segment on a stock that I stumped you on and you brought on the CEO. That was Element Solutions Incorporated. Well, thank, so thank you, you, man. For that. 
Thank you. Hey, hey, this stock that uh, I'm calling in about, it's a great company, great financials, excellent fundamentals, but bad technicals and bad uh, stock price action. The only reason why I'm hanging on to the stock is because I think it has the potential to be bought out. Should I hold or sell Sonex? So, Sonos, um, we shouldn't buy anything for takeover. However, I've got to tell you, this is a great company. And, I mean, really great. And they've done a terrific job. I've been using uh, Morgan Stanley Research on it. I, can't, I, I cannot count in selling Sonos. I think it's just too good a company. All right. Many investors are leaving what they believe is a rigged casino. But the market's not a casino at all. It just happens to be a place where it's easy to make mistakes. The bears make them all the time. So don't take everything a money manager says is gospel and do your own work. That's what the Charitable Trust Club is about. That's why I started it. On Man Money Tonight, Signet Jewelers, wow, says that weddings will hit a 40-year high this year due to pandemic backlogs. So I, I'm already married. I guess I get married again. So how, I might have to after the baking and everything. So how could this help the jewelry kingpin's bottom line? I'm checking in with the CEO. Then there are a handful of stocks that had a nice dividend boost this year, but which of them should you keep your eye on? I'm sharing my favorites. And Williams-Sonoma jumped tired today after earnings, so could the home run performance continue for a stock that I think is dirt cheap? I'm talking the company's top brass. So stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at CNBC.com or give us a call at 1 800 743 CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Fact Running a business is not getting easier on your wallet. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. Also a fact, smart businesses are reducing costs and headaches by graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. See how you'll profit with NetSuite, and then you can think of all the ways you could be spending the money you save. Company retreat in Malibu, anyone? By popular demand. NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com to start saving. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visible 
visibility at Indeed.com slash madmoney. Just go to Indeed.com slash madmoney right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash madmoney. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know me, I get excited when I get my favorite company, so I don't want them as signatures. That's the parent of K Jewelers. Jared Zale sought stock surge 7% today. I remember how low it was when our guests first started taking this thing over. Now, I have to tell you, this thing has sold up hard since the peak of November, but that's in part because it's widely seen as a pandemic winner, and they've all been punished here, even the ones that should work just fine in the current environment, like this one. Last week, though, Signet managed to find a bottom, and it's been roaring ever since. That continued today after the company reported a really good quarter, but more importantly, absolutely tremendous guidance for both the current quarter and the full year. So is Wall Street finally willing to give this terrific stock and great CEO the credit that they both deserve? Let's take a closer look with Jenna Drosis. Now, Jenna is the CEO of Signatures. We've got to learn more about the quarter and what comes next for this amazing turnaround story. Ms. Drosos, welcome back to Mad Money. Thank you so much, Jim. It's really great to be with you. All right, Jenna, I'm kind of blown away because you did it again. Not only that, but you gave us a great forecast. It seems there are many things going your way. Let's first start, though, with the amazing sales growth you're seeing. I'm so proud of the Signet team, Jim. Uh, everyone has really rallied behind the transformation strategy that we put in place, and it showed up in the numbers. We grew our revenue 50% last year versus the prior year, significantly up versus the year before that as well, double-digit operating margins. And what I think is very exciting is that we now have the financial fitness to invest in our business consistently and to drive share gains over time. Last year, we gained 270 basis points of market share, and we feel poised to continue to be able to do that. Now, Jim, I read that in the conference call, and I said, well, who are you taking it from? Are there uh, department stores, or is it smaller jewelers? Because that's quite an achievement in such a short period of time. Well, first and foremost, as the market leader, we want to grow the category. Uh, We've been attracting new consumers into the jewelry category and into Signet's business disproportionately relative to some of our competitors. In a large part, that's because of the digital capabilities that we've put in place. Uh, We now, with our targeted marketing, with our data and analytics, we have the capability to target new customers with the right message at the right time. And so they already come to our websites and to our stores um, as as ready buyers. Um, We saw a lot of people come into the category last year. The category was up about 20 percent, but a disproportionate number of those came into Cigna. Well, that's what I wanted to ask you about the 20 percent. You have some statistics. One, the number of weddings, the highest in nearly 40 years. Is that something like post pandemic? How does that work out? Yeah, that's that's exactly right. People have been waiting for the last couple of years to get married so that they can invite their friends and families to celebrate with them. Uh, and so this will be a record year of weddings. We think between 2.4 to 2.5 million weddings 
Typically, pre-pandemic, that would be around 2.1 million, so you know, a double-digit increase. What's exciting about that for Signet is that people buy their wedding bands only about two months before the wedding, so they might get engaged before, but they're in the market looking for jewelry for that special I do moment. Uh, wedding bands, of course, but also beautiful earrings, a great necklace to wear, and and then once you have your photos taken with those great earrings, of course, you want that to be your first your anniversary gifts. So well, I we're like surrounding that. couples uh, but, on this happy occasion. But I also like the fact that there are things that you doubted on, uh, that you were doubted on. Uh, jewelry rental, e-commerce. I heard these were things that couldn't happen. You've triumphed over both of them. Well, it, it was a paradigm that just wasn't grounded in consumer insight. We know that now 65% of our customers and actually 90% of our highest value customers are interacting with us both in stores and online. Most of the time they buy in store, but they're back and forth between our channels. They're using our asynchronous chat. They're talking to a virtual consultant, an in-store consultant. It's really quite seamless now. People thought it wouldn't happen that way, that jewelry was only a brick and mortar category. And certainly that's very important. Our stores are critically important and we now have a, a competitive optimized network of stores, but uh, it's much more than that. All right. Now, extended service agreements. I know they're doing well. I have mixed emotions about them because I buy a lot of jewelry. never thought I needed it. At the same time, it seems like customers do want it. I know your style. Your style is not to push anything on people. You had said that was the old signet. So this must be something that's actually demand driven by customers and not by your salespeople. You're exactly right. We did a lot of research on what customers want, how they want to take care of their jewelry. We think of it not just as a purchase experience, but a jewelry ownership experience. So, for example, if you buy a platinum ring or a white gold ring, rhodium dipping that ring over time actually keeps the luster. It makes it beautiful. Or when you have beautiful diamonds in your ring, you want to make sure that the prongs are tight over time. We have the largest cadre of jewelry in the country. And so we really can use our extended service plans as a way to bring that expertise to our customers when they need it. One last question, because I'm asking people about this now. I'm personally involved in this. Uh, Ukraine, Russia, you're making a commitment uh, to the Ukrainians and also making sure Russian diamonds no longer in the future. Well, we're a purpose-driven company, as you know, Jim. Our purpose is inspiring love. It's something that our that all of our stakeholders really care about, our vendor partners, our customers, our employees. And so as soon as we, um, the whole world, learned about this crisis, we suspended our business operations with Russian-owned entities, and we made a sizable donation to the Red Cross. They're an organization who's on the ground right there helping the people of Ukraine. Uh, we also let our vendors know that we wanted them to do the same, that we, we wanted to make sure that no Russian diamonds or metals uh, that came into the supply chain post this conflict would end up in Signet Jewelry. And they are right there next to us as responsible sourcing leaders to ensure um, that our supply chain is fully responsible and ethical. That's our Signet promise to well, our customers. You, you are a leader. I hope other people listen to you, both in terms of the I did. I asked my, I asked my CFO, is this the one that... I know that Jenna would never give idly. This must be the charity to give to to help Ukraine and your stance on Russian diamonds. We always hear it. Russian diamonds, cheap, best, whatever. 
What we care about is purpose, and that's who you are. I want to thank Jim Drozos, CEO of Signet, still an incredibly inexpensive stock. They're buying a ton of it. Thank you so much. Great to see you. We sure are, Jim. Yeah. Thank you very much. What a job she's done. Mad Money's back into the break. Coming up, shall we call them the aristocrats? Where can investors go for stocks with big dividend leaps? Stay tuned and find out. The spirit of performance defines Acura, and now it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura has been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It's packed with benefits to help unlock more value from your business purchases. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Learn more at AmericanExpress.com slash Business Gold Card. After a rare series of good days, you can't get complacent. I've heard from too many very smart technicians who seem convinced that we're due for another downdraft before this market can find a true bottom. Regardless of this rebound, we're still in the same environment. This is a world where the Federal Reserve is hitting the brakes on the economy, raising rates perhaps as much as seven times this year. Many don't like that. You know I think the Fed has to do this to stamp out increasingly persistent inflation. It's the right move long term. But in the short term, it radically limits the menu of potential winners in the stock market. I've said that. I wish it weren't the case. But it's true. That's why you might want to use this moment of strength to reposition your portfolio, as I'm betting 2022 will continue to be a difficult year for all sorts of stocks. Like I've been saying since November, now is the time to circle the wagons around profitable companies that make real products or provide real services and, most importantly, return their profits to shareholders via dividends and buybacks. Why am I so focused on dividends? Because in times of turmoil, it's hard to figure out what Wall Street's willing to pay for a company's earnings per share. And don't even think about the stocks that trade on their sales estimates because they're still in the red. Dividends, on the other hand, that's money in your pocket. Hard cash. They make for an unassailable defense against a volatile market as long as the underlying company doesn't decide to cut the payout. So we always look at the balance sheet before we just say good dividend. In short, you want bountiful dividends that are also safe. And the best way to determine a dividend safety is by searching for the companies that have recently raised their payouts because that's the ultimate sign of confidence in the future. You don't raise it to cut it. Plus, with interest rates on the rise, only the dividend boosters can keep up with the bond market competition. So that's why tonight I want to focus on the biggest dividend raisers of 2022 so far. Now, thankfully, Howard Silverblatt at S&P Dow Jones Indices meticulously maintains this information and, and updates it every week on the S&P 500 website. 
But after looking at the data, we've got some good news and some bad news. The bad news, I'll get that out. In the aggregate, at the end of last year, the S&P 500 yield was the lowest it's been in more than 20 years. Of course, a huge part of that was because the market had run so much. But now that the S&P is down more than 7% for the year, the aggregate yield, of course, is already higher. How about the good news? Well, the good news is very good. According to Silverblatt's data, at as the end of last week, Nearly a quarter of the companies in the S&P 500 have raised their dividends this year. 119 of them, 24%. Good balance sheets. When you drill down this year's dividend boost, they're surprisingly solid. 60 of these companies raised their payouts by more than 10%. 27 raised them by more than 20%. Because we're looking for dividend boosts that can outpace inflation, I want to focus on the 27 elite names. Because within this group, there are 11 that I want to share with you because I particularly like them. Let's start with the high-yielding energy plays, Pioneer Natural Resources, Coterra Energy, and Devon Energy. Regular viewers should remember these these companies. I talk about them all the time because they're the oil and gas plays that roll out fixed plus variable dividend strategies last year. With energy prices soaring, their payouts are up massively year over year. Given that oil has spiked in the last month, they should go even higher in the near future. Devon is the one we own for the Chapel Trust, which, of course, you can follow by joining the CMC Investing Club, which I urge you to do so. They were the first to adopt this variable dividend strategy. They pioneered it, and they've been very disciplined about rewarding shareholders as their number one priority. At these levels, Devon yields just about 7%, even after the stock's monster run, including the almost 10% gain today. And remember, even if the stock's still in the, the still, just, it's just say still, the yield's going higher because crude is ab- above 100 I love these guys. They were one. By the way, Rick Moncrief, who was the CEO, he was our guest on our last uh, 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 club call. A Pioneer Natural Resources, PXD, that's a terrific company, pure play on the Permian Basin, 6.3% yield. I like it almost as much as Devon. As for Cotera, it's much more focused on natural gas. You know, they need that in Europe. This one's got a 9% yield. Tom Jordan was on recently. I like him. Uh, but why is it uh, lagging? Because it's more nat gas than oil. I've got one more fossil fuel stock that's a little too controversial right now. It's Halliburton, the oil service icon. That's the newest holding in my charitable trust. We know the producers have been disciplined about not drilling too much, at least the public ones, not the private equity ones. But with crude over 100 bucks a barrel, that's going to change, especially now that the Western governments are trying to keep Russia off the Russian oil off the market. Of the three major oil service plays, Halliburton has the most North American exposure, which makes it ideal for this moment. Stock only has a 1.3% yield even after its sizable January dividend boost. We're talking a 167% increase. But I think that's a terrific sign of confidence, even as I will tell you right now, real time, we're monitoring how it controls this Russian exposure. We may have to bolt. We don't want to own the stocks of companies that are committed to Russia. Those are not the companies that you want to own. We care about purpose. Next, there are retailers. I like Tractor Supply and Best Buy. Tractor Supply is one of the best-run chains in the country. I urge you to go to one. This rural lifestyle retailer just gave you a 77% dividend hike, along with a $2 billion buyback. I buy a lot of Carhartt there, but they also have these buckets of ladybugs that are just fantastic at eating all the bad bugs in your veggie boxes, especially the tomatoes. Best Buy has come down substantially over the last few months, and while the most recent quarter was a bit light, they gave you excellent long-term guidance and also hit you with a 26% dividend boost, along with a $5 billion buyback. If these levels supports a 3.6% yield, I'm telling you, I like this one. Pretty darn good. Here's one more bonus retailer, Dollar General. Earlier this morning, they reported an inline quarter mixed guidance, but the general also put through a 31% dividend boost, announced a $2.75 billion buyback. Again, that's extremely rewarding for shareholders. Glad they did this. I was thinking about doing this piece earlier in the week. I would have missed that one. 
Next up is NXP Semiconductors, the chipmaker that's essential to the auto industry and also has some communications, industrial, and smart home exposure. NXP stock's been hammered here, but the most recent quarter was terrific. Management said the chip shortage in the auto industry is going to continue through the rest of the year. Good news for NXP. Bad news if you want to buy a car. They underscored their confidence by what? Putting through a 50% dividend boost and a $2 billion buyback. What else? Okay, no stranger to the show. Prologis, the warehouse and logistics REIT, the king of the REITs in that segment, only has a 2% yield, but that's because the stock's such a consistent long-term winner. It always keeps up with its dividend hikes. We simply don't have enough specialized logistics facilities in this country, so Prologis should keep winning. I, I love those guys. How about a bank? We own the stock of Wells Fargo for the Chapel Trust. Huge position, which you've enjoyed the club, you would well know, because it's a great turnaround story, especially now that the Fed is raising interest rates, something that instantly makes Wells more profitable. The regulators are being more lenient as these guys clean up their act, which seems to have still, still going on. Uh, well, it, but, but it has, they, did the, they allowed the Wells to put through two dividend boosts in the past year. Not bad. Finally, let's not forget about American Express, where we were yesterday. Yep, we spoke to these guys, and they told a tremendous story about travel coming back. But don't forget about their 20% dividend boost. Plus, Amex loves to buy back its own stock. Its share count has shrunk from $1.2 billion a decade ago to just $759 million today. That's perfect for this environment. So here's the bottom line. When the Fed is tightened to combat rampant inflation, I don't want you to overthink it. You want to circle the wagons around companies that are rapidly raising their dividends, that make things and sell them at a profit, and obviously, because of the dividends, give some money back to you. How about Robert in New York? Robert. Jim. Robert. Farm income often increases with higher soft ag commodity prices. So I'm considering going along on Agco, the number two farm equipment maker after deer. But I wonder if higher costs for farmers like fertilizer will cut into their cash flow and ability to buy new tractors. Your thoughts, please. You know, I've been struggling this deer versus Agco. Uh, I do see it. There was a nice breakout in deer today. Uh, I'm going to have to go with deer because I think technologically they've become the leader. And because, you know what, those of us who have a deer, it's very hard to recommend anything else but a deer. What a great machine. Let's go to Allison in Mississippi. Allison. Yes, sir. Um, My husband retired from Chevron after 35 years of working offshore. We have a 50-50 balance of stocks and bonds in our portfolio, and 12% of the stocks are of Chevron stocks. He likes Chevron because of the uh, dividends it pays. Well, yesterday, Chevron closed at $157.71 a share, and I was wondering if it would be wise to sell Chevron right now and um, place the money in a cash account and then buy it back when the um, prices drop. Uh, Allison, I think too cute. I think Mike Worth's doing a remarkable job. Uh, there were people who were grousing out there. Stock was down eight points. Are you kidding me? I, I think Mike's doing it. I think Mike's amazing. He really is. And I just think you got to just ride with him. I think you'll look back and say, why did I think I could get out and get back in again? Thank you for the call. Dividends make for an unassailable defense against the volatile market. So in times like these, you've got to circle the wagons around a couple that are rapidly raising their dividends and make you feel real good because they're obviously doing so well. You don't raise your dividend to cut it. I like every one of these companies. Now, much more bad money ahead, including my exclusive with William Sonoma. There's a dividend booster. After uh, new sustainability goals, too, that we're going to talk about, I'm learning more about the home retailer's mission to do well and do good and to not just be a home retailer. Then it's time to change the way the Fed holds its meetings. And I'm going to reveal my suggestion, and Jenny's going to love it. And all your calls rapid fire tonight's edition of the Lightning Round. So stay with Kramer. 
Sometimes the market can just completely drive you nuts. For instance, whenever you get a dramatic market-wide decline, like we've had over the last four months, you do get incredible buying opportunities, but you got to know where to look. There are tons of stocks that actually do deserve to sell off, but then there are some names, and they're not that many, but there are some names that get hit so hard for no reason whatsoever, and those are the ones you must buy. Take Williams-Sonoma, which tumbled from the 220s in November when we last talked to the company to the 120s since its low last month before experiencing a remarkable but correct rebound. This is not some high-flying, unprofitable tech stock is a well-run home goods retailer. I think he got hurt because there was a sense that Williams-Sonoma was a pandemic play. So no reason to own it once COVID recedes. Wrong! Last night, the company reported a robust quarter. Williams-Sonoma delivered a monster 60-cent earnings beat off of a $4.82 basis thanks to its fabulous margins. Even better, management gave us an incredibly bullish full-year forecast, talking about mid-to-high single-digit revenue growth and flat operating margins. Very impressive at the time when so many other retail names are really struggling to contain rising costs. That's why the stock jumped more than 5% today. But you know what? Even here, 11 times earnings? Are you kidding me? I bet it can go higher, possibly much higher. Don't take it from me. Let's check in with Laura Albert, the president of Williams. Sonoma to get a better read in the quarter and where our company's headed. Ms. Albert, welcome back to Man Money. Thanks for having me. Laura, I got to tell you, uh, when we met last night, the stock was at 210, and uh, you delivered a quarter that was unbelievable. But in the interim, people decided we don't need the stock of Williams Sonoma. I think to some degree, with this dividend boost and with this buyback, you have taken matters in your own hand. You are not saying the stock is cheap, you are making us know that the stock is cheap. You know, I think there's a lot of things that Wall Street doesn't appreciate about our business. And a couple of them are, first, our B2B business, which I think people are starting to take notice of, but I don't think they know how how big it can be as a contributor. It's uh, worth about 500 basis points a comp to us. And remember, even at that level, it's an $80 billion market, totally fractured, underserved. And we more than doubled last year, and we're going to do it again. And our competitive advantage is our sustainable product, and our ability to design across brands for different types of spaces and scale. Um, also, uh, our, um, you know, our ability to ship it to our clients and get it there faster because of our supply chain. I and mean, that's one of the things that I think is really underappreciated. Of course, there's a lot of other things, too, from our digital platform to our sustainability in total is a competitive advantage. And we know that our customers really care about that. And then also, you know, our, our, not just our digital first mindset, but our stores, which are incredible design resources for people to come in and have great help and great designers furnish their homes. Well, I think I think you talked about uh, something that's really important in terms of B2B and large size. And I want people to understand when I read in the conference call that you desi- that you were with the Mets, the Padres, Churchill Downs, Woodford Reserve, and I think people think this is a home goods retailer. Wrong. Yeah, well, it's also an annuity because people buy from us and they keep coming back. I mean, we've been working with Marriott for a while now, and we continue to add units. We have a great partner who does food and beverage, and we've just done a thousand of their locations, and they have a lot more to go. So we're gonna, you're gonna continue to see the new fun names that we mentioned on the call, but also this annuity 
business with the people we've been doing business with for a while. Um, At the top of the show, I was talking about how the bears get things wrong all the time. Like bears are coming and say, Jim, you love this Williams Snow so much, but I found a store that's closing or I saw people that are laid off. The reality, and I know that you kept people on during the pandemic, so that's not your style, but the reality is, is that you're rationalizing the fleet. And people don't understand what fleet rationalization means. It means making more money for shareholders. Mm-hmm. Well, it's also really important you keep things fresh, right? So we just opened an incredible store in the farmer's market in Los Angeles. And if anybody has any doubts about the vibrancy of retail, they should go visit it because it's a great example of we closed a store in Beverly Hills that was really dated and that we hadn't spent a lot of money on. And the reopening is phenomenal. And that's just one example of many. There are some locations where we had too many stores, so we consolidated. We've seen great transfer to you know, a store nearby and transfer to DTC, which we're finally seeing. But you know what? There's a lot of great new you know, lifestyle centers to go into, and you're going to see us open beautiful stores there, too. So it's optimization and it's investment in great stores, but probably fewer. And the amazing thing is I was with Steve Squire yesterday from American Express. He said, look, people are giving up. It's hybrid. There's nothing we can do and ain't ever going to go back. Hybrid to me is Williams-Sonoma. Yes. I mean, as we enter the endemic stage here, I think two things are clear to me anyway. One is people really reprioritize what's important to them and their home is important to them. And secondly, people, you know, they've learned to cook they've, and, they're, and they're working from home. They talk to a lot of CEOs and particularly really good CEOs and hybrid's here to stay. Why is it here to stay? Because, you know, done right, people are more productive hybrid and also it gives people agency and people care about that. They want to, they want to have control of their own lives. And these are two, these are important factors in the home because if you're home more, you care more about how you live in it and what your furnishings look like. All right. Well, I'll tell you, I think your stock's ridiculously low. I thought that I, I, I think people misunderstood what you were doing. They still do, but they ought to start remembering you are not a you're not a home furniture company. You're a designer of many things, a digital first company and a sustainability company. And this company is just way too cheap. Laura Albert, president and CEO of Williams Sonoma. Congratulations on just a truly great quarter and an amazing outlook. Thank you. Guys, dividend boost, okay? Buyback, great numbers. Stop thinking small. Think big. Think William Sonoma. Mad Money's back after the break. Stick around. May I make a suggestion? I would stay with Kramer. The lightning round is coming up next. And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready? Ski dag time. Lightning round Christmas. It's over. David in New Mexico. David. Calling from the land of enchantment there, Jim. I love it there. What's going on? I took, I took my uh, my dad and my uh, and my brother went. We went to San Miguel and we had some fantastic tacos with that guacamole. It was really good. My oh, dad thank really you, man. enjoyed your establishment. Thank you. I'll tell you, Petru, he's terrific. What's up? So I was wondering about, I got two questions. One of them is Canada Boost, and the other one is Google. 
If you could give me a well, little Google, uh, big position from my travel up, trust. I, just bought some. It's great. By the way, Techly is also the only one in Fang. It's really good. Canadian Goose, let me. I, I see you with Canadian Goose, and I raise you with Ralph Lauren. That's the better one to own. Joel in New York. Joel. Booyah, Jim. Booyah. Thanks for taking my call. Oh, my God. Say you make stock market fun. Thank you. Uh, quick question. Sir Ruger, RGR. Is this a buy or sell? You know, it's a tough one for me. I don't usually recommend gun. I am a hunter, uh, but I usually don't recommend gun stocks uh, just because I think that I, I don't think it's right to. Uh, it does a good yield. And I, mean, I tell people, look, I like to. Uh, what can I say? It's just a tough call for me. Tough call. It's not. It's like tobacco for me. I just don't recommend them. Let's go to Alvaro in Florida. Alvaro. Yes, hi, Jim. Uh, great for taking my call. I appreciate it. Uh, I wanted to hear your thoughts on Carnival Cruise uh, tickets. If, if I have to buy one, I'll do Norwegian, because uh, I think that Frank Del Rio's done a remarkable job. But at the same time, i got to tell you, at this point, I'd rather own the worst airline than the best cruise line. Let's go to Chris in Florida. Chris. Hey, booyah, Jim. Booyah. Hey, I'm hesitant uh, on a stock here. I like the PE, dividend, cash flow, but the price of the book is really high. It's got me worried. Thoughts on Western Union? Wow. Now, every time I look at it and think it's good, because, boy, they do, have some, they do have some very good management. I'm not going to fight you if you want to buy some. The management's too good there. They haven't done anything yet, but I'm okay with it down here at this level. Marco in Wisconsin. Marco. Hi, this is Marco's mom. Ah. Hi, I was wondering what you thought about a stock you recommended in March. It's Roblox stock. You know, I, I both got Roblox unbelievably right, and it zoomed, and then unbelievably wrong when they didn't deliver monthly numbers. I think it's a great concept, but you know what? The market is saying I am wrong, and I am not going to disagree with the market. Let's go to Mike in, Mass- in Massachusetts. Mike. Hey, Jim. God bless you, man. Let me Thank ask you. you about Omega Healthcare Investors. Yeah, you know, like, I, look, I think it's Ventas. They're the one I want to own in that group. Uh, Deb's coming around. Deb's doing a good job there. I feel more certain about that. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up, does Jay Powell have a future as the host of Hollywood Square's Fed Edition? Kramer thinks it's time to cancel Powell's Brady Bunch Box Fireside Q&As. More Mad Money next. After every monthly Fed statement, J-Pal takes questions from a multitude of reporters. And because of COVID precautions, they all line up in boxes like the old game show, Hollywood Squares. But just like Hollywood Squares wore out its welcome, getting canceled after 26 seasons, despite stand-up performances I should have by Gilbert uh, Gottfried and Whoopi Goldberg. Whoopi, um, 50, 50 bases, 25 bases, what do you think? Um, Washington Squares has run its course. Don't get me wrong. I happen to love transparency. But this particular show uh, of questions by 19 reporters has become a source of chaos and obfuscation. It's a waste of time because we get so many worthless gotcha inquiries. As someone who's been both a hatchet man reporter and a gotcha target, I get it. Who doesn't want to be the reporter who cracks Jay Powell? Good for them. But it doesn't do us any good 
Powell has to put a stop to this ridiculous game. He needs to make it much more like a quarterly earnings conference call. Now, lots of people in business think that one quarter is too short a period to measure a company's performance, let alone a month. But I've always taken my cue from Andy Grove. Yeah, the late Andy Grove, founder of Intel, who argued that it's the perfect stretch for holding executives accountable. He's got a great bit about it in Only the Paranoids Survive, which is one of the best business books ever written. Grove felt that you should be able to course correct within a three-month period, and if you didn't feel capable of doing that, maybe you should rethink your job. I think Powell's kind of a Fed CEO, and he should become more like one, transparent but tough, and certainly not a reporter pinata. So here's my suggestion, Jay. Cut back the number of Fed conferences. Take back to four per year, okay? That will eliminate a ton of confusion about your next move. Drives me nuts to watch the Fed chief keep taking these questions. Shadow boxing. Often the same query phrased in different ways over and over and over again. Worst case, cutting down for every six weeks to quarterly means we'd only need to experience this nonsense four times a year. Can we improve the quality of the queries? I happen to love the queries that we get. CNBC's Steve Leisman, he he asks questions that actually illuminate the situation. But I've decided he's the exception rather than the rule. So the Fed should have reporters send in questions ahead of time. And like what some of the best CEOs do in their conference calls, they should pick out the ones that are most trenchant and on point so they can tell a narrative. That way, nobody's time gets wasted by this ridiculous game show of the same questions again and again in a different varietal. Uh, 25 basis points. Look at this. I thought I had 50 basis. Yeah, enough with this game. But what about transparency? All right, here's how I see it. Transparency that doesn't confuse us is good. Transparency that's short-term in nature and often more hectoring than illuminating, not good. No, thank you. If most of these reporters were asking insightful questions, we wouldn't need to change the format. Honestly, Jay Powell is a thankless job already. If he doesn't say the Fed's hitting us with seven rate hikes, well, then he can't slay the dragon. If he hits us with 50 basis point rate hike, well, he may slay the dragon along with everything else, destroying the economy in order to save it. But if he only had to describe his plans for the quarter, and he can always course correct, he wouldn't have to hold his own feet to the Kingsfords. Oh, I am sure there's going to be an outcry immediately, but the whole press conference thing has gotten out of hand. You and I know that. It's certainly better than the briefcase indicator of old, where then Fed Chief Alan Greenspan was judged by how thick or thin his briefcase was. A running joke, because he gave us no transparency whatsoever. But with a quarterly format, Powell can lay it all out. And if things go awry, he can tell us that quarter what must be changed and why. And then handle the 10 best questions that will expose the correct narrative. Right now, we have a cacophonous press conference that is not even worth watching. Do it my way, and there'll be more meat, less fat, and a very clear quarterly meal. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to try to find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you tomorrow. The news with Shepard Smith starts now. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, No one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. 